on today's 30-minute music marketing, five ways in which you could be sabotaging your own music career. Cute title sequence. Boom. 30-minute music marketing for musicians who want to get better at marketing their music. Hi, I'm Greg. Hi, I'm Sheldon. This is 30 Minute Music Marketing, the show for independent artists and DIY musicians who want to get better at marketing their music. Thanks very much for tuning in and watching this week's episode or listening to it in the ears in a podcast format. Thanks for doing that. If you're watching on a YouTube, click subscribe. Are you going to get that, that yeah, I'll animated it. graphic up? I might change it and put a different one. Subscribe on wherever you get your podcasts, <clears throat> just so we drop in to your electronic device once a week. Now then, Greg, last week we had a deep dive and we were discussing how really you should see your music career as a marathon, not a sprint. Yep. Slow, small, incremental steps and how yep. you shouldn't necessarily look at all these big signed pop acts who over the course of, you know, what seemingly just a couple it's of weeks. months seem to go from obscurity to filling out stadiums and arenas and, and, and that sort of thing. Yep. But, and I thought, as a logical progression... How about doing an episode whereby if you are a DIY musician out there, you are an independent artist, and you've been doing this for maybe quite, you know, quite a while, moderate period of time, what should you... Are you going to give an estimation on what a moderate period of time I'm would not be? Going to, I'm not going to... <coughs> Excuse me. But in the <clears throat> case of, um, I think we were discussing one... Last week's deep dive was inspired by a band who'd been going for three years and decided to throw the and towel decided in. to to quit it again for for whatever reason. But I do know of a, a lot of acts and a lot of individuals who, um, who, after a certain period of time, maybe they haven't had this the success, the success they feel they are deserved or owed. Yes, right. or that they necessarily want, and, the, and they sort of give up. And I'm very much of the opinion that maybe rather than giving up. <clears throat> What you need to do is you need to undertake a period of reflection and self-evaluation mm -hmm. and try and figure out, rather than just giving up, where you're actually going wrong in order that you can adopt, adapt and improve and carry on going and doing the thing that you enjoy doing, which is obviously making music, which I know for a lot of us, it's, it's the burning thing inside us. We have no, we ha we have no control over it. We have to be creative. It's what we feel as though we were born to do, but again, rather than eternally getting frustrated at the fact that maybe for some reason this isn't working, we can maybe assess what I think are maybe five large reasons as to why things aren't necessarily working. And hopefully, if you feel as though any of these are appropriate to you, again, you can go on that path of uh, uh, adapting and amending your music career. So we'll, we'll go through them all one by one, and we'll see how we, uh, okay. we get on, and we'll see if uh, any, any of uh, you folk at, at home agree with any of these. I'd be curious to know whether they will agree with all of these. Well, you don't necessarily need to agree with all of them, and indeed, it may Some well be that as a box-ticking exercise, you think, oh, well, after listening to that, I don't think any of those are applicable to me, and you know, you might consider your music career to be, to be on the right track, but if you're not progressing as fast as you like. If you are releasing singles and music videos and your views and streams are in the hundreds rather than the thousands and the tens of thousands, what I would ask you to do is have a listen to and a watch of the five <coughs> points that we're going to mention and discuss here and just and just see if, right, are any of these applicable to you? So, 
If you're suffering from no attention, no traction, and you're not growing an audience, number one, number one, is going to be. This is going to be a tough pill to it swallow. It is a very yeah. Your songs aren't quite there yet. Yet, you see, and we'll put the yet at the end. I have to say, Greg, in all the the years that uh, I've been currently doing my sort of musical project, I think I've released. It's about I forget how many albums it is. It might be about it's a few. Sort of Eleven, and really, if you ask me, how many good songs are on there? It's like not just good songs. How many really good songs are on there? It may well be only about sort of maybe ten or so. I will say this now: writing songs relatively easy. Writing. Good songs, not even good songs, great songs, brilliant songs. It's one of the hardest things in the world. Oh, it's a tough act. I mean, if you're like someone like Kathy Dennis or uh, Dionne Warwick, both songwriters. Max Spielman, uh, what's his name? <coughs> Max Spielman, Britney isn't that Spears. a photographer? Yeah, I know, that was, it was a gag. Oh, Leverton. sorry. Goodness me, lost on him. Uh, yes, uh, uh, no, not Max Miller, no, that's a 1950s comedian. Max uh, Bygraves. Max Bygraves, no, show me age now. You know, the, the fellow wrote, um, hit me baby one more time. Okay. Well, Kathy Dennis wrote some um, Britney Spears stuff too. So, you know, professional songwriters, they exist for a reason because lots of artists themselves, again, especially in the, you know, the popular music sphere, the formula of trying to write great songs is, is a hard one to, to replicate for a lot of people. When you release a single, you know, and stick it up on your streaming services or what have you, the thing you've got to realise is that in terms of competition, in terms of back catalogue, you're going up against not only the very popular modern music of the day, but all the greatest hits of your particular genre from now right back through to recorded music when it was invented. That's a lot of competition. So you know we can take the you know some of the greatest songs that have ever been recorded in whatever <laughs> sort of genre, and then we place yours next to it side by side comparison. I know that particular you know your particular song might be very important to you, but if I whack your song in a playlist of all your musical contemporaries, both past and present, is it going you know is it going to cut the mustard? And if not, then it's probably not going to work out as successfully as you might have hoped. And I suppose we talked about this the other week um, in terms of the importance of playlists and on Spotify as an example, you know, in that respect, your record has got to basically slot in between all those other records. Yes, yeah, there has to be, you know, <coughs> both, both a sonic parity yep. and, you know, it has to be of a, you know, a, an acceptable state. It's got to hold its own, again, next to the best in the world because that when people create playlists, you know, whether it be algorithmically generated or, you know, curated by a human, you are going up against what might necessarily be the best of modern music past and present. Yeah. So and the, the thing you have to remember is that if you're re writing and releasing average songs, then you're going to get average results. There's no two ways about it. And not many people. I don't really see anybody... Uh, in terms of, you know, when they're making videos such as this and when they're offering marketing advice. No one ever goes, yeah, if your music's bobbins, then you ain't going to get very far. So let me let me do that for you now. I, I'm, I've only got your own, you know, your best intentions at heart. And the thing is that 
because you are the author and creator, maybe, you know, as part of an ensemble of this particular music, in terms of objectivity, you maybe not necessarily got the most objective outlook as to the quality of your particular music. And it may well be that your friends, your musical colleagues, and your nearest and dearest might not necessarily have that also that same level of objectivity. Here's an example. I was, I was talking to you about uh, this, uh, this particular anecdote last week when oh. I was uh, trying to provide uh, some help and assistance to a, uh, a group of uh, younger musicians uh, the other year um, and they, uh, they presented their, their latest song. I think it might have been a, a demo sort of stage and I was listening to it and I was going, oh yeah, this has, got, this, has got, this has got some good points. And I said, the chorus, however, Chorus is a, is a little weak. If you're going to release this, you're really going to need to change the melody of the chorus because I don't think it's strong enough. And the uh, the lead singer in question I've just said, remembered now what yes. band this is. So yes, and the lead singer in question said, uh, well, well, my dad thinks it's all right. And he's like, your dad's probably not the best judge. Again, he's probably not the most objective person when it comes to, when it comes but to modern... Music. I mean, it, it is hard trying to get someone's opinion as to whether. Yeah, but something... usually, if you're younger, the last you know, if your dad says something's good, that should be setting alarm bells off to say, I need to change that. Yes, because that's not cool. Yes, if it's appealing to a generation potentially uh, old, you know, a generation older than yourself, that might not necessarily be no. the best, the best thing. Now, in terms of objectivity and trying to get honest reviews. Of your music, there are. Um, I did did do some research. A couple of sites. <coughs> One's called Audio Kite. I did see that. I've never heard yes. of it before. Well, you know, you, you, you're not you're not hot on uh, all the things like me. And uh, Reverb Nation do Reverb Nation crowd reviews. And what you do is, you know, you pay a modest fee. You submit your music to these services, <coughs> and they've got users who will listen to your music and you know rate and review with it. a critical ear. Uh, yes, and and provide some form <coughs> of feedback. To you know, potentially give you a. Do you know uh, what the cost of that is? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. Oh right, but it's, it's, I'm not a walking price encyclopedia. Uh, but I mean, <clears throat> it's one of those things that you know, it's a a shortcut way of a fashion to get some expert advice. S some yeah, and again, a different a different here because you know, I can do that. You know, I often do this myself. You you are so close to something. You can't necessarily see how what you're writing will be, how it will be heard by external sort of third parties. Another thing you could do is you could go into, uh, have a chat with, and maybe an external producer or go to someone in the recording studio and, and basically play them the demo or whatever version of the song that you've got and just say to them, right, how would you make that better? And I think that, that's the, you know, even if, even if you've already recorded the song before, because the thing you've got to remember is that if you've recorded a song once and you feel, you know, you feel as though, well, maybe you know it was all right for the time, but maybe we, you know we we played it live differently now, or we, you feel as though it's it, there's a there's a nub of a great song here, but it still needs somebody to to work on it and expand upon it. There's nothing to stop you re you know re-recording that with someone else who so might be able to put a different particular <clears throat> spin on it or develop it or improve it. Because the majority of people, I mean again in our country if there's 70 million people in the UK and you've only had even like 5,000 streams on it, there's still 70 million people <coughs> who haven't yeah. heard 
that piece of music. So don't worry about necessarily re-recording oh, your yeah. own material. There's a lot of people, oh, we can't do that. It's like, well, why not? Yeah, exactly. Because no mm. one's heard it yet. The thing is that that piece of music, however old it might be, the, the, you know, it, it will still be new to the people who've, well, uh, who haven't heard it yet. I mean, you know, in terms of, I do know that from, you know, past experience, you get a lot of, you know, low-key bands who will go to work with a particular producer who specialises in one sound. I mean, to me, if you want to sound like everyone else, then that would be a great way to go. But how on earth are you going to be distinguished amongst everyone else? And so I would actually say, perhaps go, because you'll, you'll verify this for me, you two, Bono, don't they purposefully work with producers who don't listen to their music? Uh, that, that I don't know. And that's why they worked with like a variety of people, like, you know, Brian Eno and stuff like that, where they went, we want a, a completely external perspective to push our music onto the next stage. And to me, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm not saying, you know, what your music, all music is subjective, <clears throat> as we know. And I'm not necessarily here to say that your music is good or is bad. But I think if, if, you, if you feel as though you can't objectively criticise your music and say whether it needs to be better or not, maybe try and find some sort of um, external, I'll use the term critic in its loosest possible sense, but external third party who'll be able to have a look at it and maybe provide you with an opinion that might be more objective than your own. That's an excellent way to sum up. Okay. Our first point. <clears throat> so otherwise, and in other words, basically, send a link in the description beneath, and I'll slag it off. No, not uh, really. no we won't do that. <laughs> so we, you know, we might <clears throat> scratch our chins, and and but that's the thing, though. People don't like you know if it, somebody might play you a piece of music and with an expectant smile on their face and go, "Oh, Greg, what do you think of that?" And and you might turn around and go. Yeah, that's all right, that. <laughs> when you really want to go, oh, that's absolute bobbins, mate. No, I think I would go the route of Simon Cowell because it's in their best interest. Mm. But you've got to, got to shut the counter know, a little. I know. Anyway, so, that's, that's the point <clears throat> number one. So, point number two, I'm going to have to read this. Out. You could be in a too broad a genre. Too broad a genre. Um, music, what do you mean by this? Well, like, say, for example, indie mm. music, yes. rock music, yep. metal. Those are Pop. meta genres, yep. as it were. They collectively cover a very wide berth, hmm. wide spectrum of, of different, maybe sort of subgenres. And it may well be that if you're creating music that you feel might appeal to a wide range of people, what you potentially might end up doing is appealing to nobody because it's too broad. It, it's a bit like... But don't, I thought bands just love to sub-niche themselves into genres that you've never heard of. Well, and, I, I... And I, I would know. say people then don't discover it. Again, when you, when you were <coughs> saying in the previous point about artists <coughs> and bands potentially trying to make music that sounds like everybody else. Yes. And really what we need to do in, in this, <laughs> this day of... We've got content coming out of our ears, and the, the last thing we necessarily need is is more music that sounds like the music that we've already got. That that really, what we need to what we need to do is we we need to lose the the broad focus that we have in terms of making our music and I, try and narrow down in maybe a sub niche <clears throat> or sub genre that we're really good at, or a sub niche or, or genre, sub genre 
that that we really stand out in? I think in some respects, you know, I, I've certainly seen this with uh, metal artists. They're so so caught up in trying to sound um, like their peers hmm. to be accepted within that community that they end up becoming a pale, in, pale version of yes. their peers. And you might as well, if I'm going to listen to something like that, I might as well listen to an already established brand, which I know exactly what I'm going to get. I mean, um, so, yeah, I think, and you, I think you and I have spoken many times about the uh, the joys of jingly jangly guitar music. And it's just like, you know, how on earth can you compete when it's exactly the same? And what you generally tend to find is that um, fans of musical niches or musical subgenres, they tend to be really into that particular genre. Whereas your casual music fan who likes a, a broad range of music, they, they tend to be fair weather music fans. Whereas if you're actually after the sort of people who will come to your shows and will buy your merch, they tend to lie in those specific niches rather than just a, a general average music fan of, of that particular genre. You're going more for the hardcore fan. As I say, they normally exist within niches. So they are, you know, if, if, it may well be that, that by going small and narrow is, is, a, is a better way to achieving success rather than trying to appeal to everybody. Because again, even in terms of marketing and marketing spend, trying to reach everybody in, you know, in, in painting a very broad canvas, you're never well, going to have the money to do. <coughs> you, when we did that Facebook thing with the pro face targeted Facebook ad campaign, which is in one of the previous episodes, uh, and um, you know, you purposely went to quite specific to make sure that you had the best response rather than the best reach. Yes. Picking, trying to create audiences from out of, you know, small artists occupying sort of one particular niche rather than larger artists. So again, it, the, 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 almost like the category and this is, will, is too broad. And this will effectively end up kind of reinforcing what we discussed last week, which is that this then becomes a, definitely a marathon, not a sprint, but it should be more... Uh, you should get more out of it because you're getting the response that you want. I mean, I presume everybody wants immediate success overnight, but... It'd be nice. Yes, <laughs> it would. Um, but it's not... So I think, yeah, you're right. Although it sounds quite limiting, in fact, it's about maximising the return rather... A quality return rather than just overall exposure. Yes, so go narrow, <laughs> potentially, rather than broad. So... Moving, this moves nicely on to number three. Number three. You are targeting the wrong audience or the wrong genre. So I've written down here, are you writing music for the right audience? Imagine, Greg, if I was a, a, an older man in his 70s. I know, I know <laughs> given <laughs> it, it's not so far that. away these days, is it? <laughs> but if I was going, right, I'm gonna, I'm, I want to make pop music now and pop music that will uh, you know, appeal to the teenage crowd. Young people, 14, 15, 16, who are very much the uh, the pop target audience, they're not going to want to listen to pop music made by a 70-year-old bloke. I'm, a tr I'm trying it's to write... It's aimed at Paul McCartney. Oh, don't get me started on Paul McCartney. <laughs> you know, he's, he's had some success. Well done to him for that, but uh, let's... Yeah, let's... That, was, that was... He's had his place. Let's move on. So you could be <laughs> aiming 
for an audience that doesn't necessarily want your music or you could be you know trying to to write music that again that, that really it, it's the wrong how genre many, for you how many facebook ads have you seen for bands that you in a genre that oh quite a few i do normally post some of them on my uh, on my um 60 second music like, magazine facebook page or come or to this gig to watch a metal band in london it's like i don't like metal and yeah. i live in liverpool so a few years ago i i created what i thought was is a unique way to approach and to uh, to look at the whole aspect of music marketing i thought i'd created like a a fantastically winning system that that was unique to me until i saw it on a on somebody else's um <laughs> somebody else's internet page so it wasn't mine but you know great minds <clears throat> think alike and Venn diagrams i'm sure you're aware of what a Venn diagram is no. you know when you when you got like three circles and they're all different things where they overlap okay oh, right the, so a bit right, like the okay. olympic symbol yeah right okay gotcha so i i in my mind i created this system let's call it the sheldon system of successful music careers circle number one is what are you good at in terms of you as a musician uh you know songwriter creating music what are you actually good at uh second circle what do you like doing and the third circle is what do people actually want from you now in my previous musical project <laughs> you really can't make this up because it sounds it sounds daft it sounds daft but, but it's true it's absolutely true so <laughs> let's ignore my current musical project my previous musical project which is basically the, the, the same people but we were we were like electronic music live electronic music edm as i believe you young I people do call it. think actually i have right. the stuff from hey call that i could put a little snippet in you're all right you don't need to do that. okay so it said what are you good at we were quite good at it i won't say we were stellar or world class we were quite good at it it was so that's circle number one it was fun okay it was um Circle number two, do you enjoy doing it? Oh, we really enjoyed doing it. Circle number three, did people really want it? Yeah, you know, it was all right. That didn't necessarily work out for us. In our current musical project, which was a complete musical, you know, 360, it's like, it turns out we're really good at this particular genre of music. It turns out we really like doing it. It's almost like we found our calling. And three, the public really really like it three boxes ticked fine that's the that's the perfect recipe for success like if you're a, a pop music artist it could well be that you really like doing it the public really likes it however you want to be considered a serious artist so circle number two isn't ticked so that's never going to end up a success so i uh, you know it may it may well be that really you know if, if you're doing edm it could well be that you that oh maybe you know I, i've always fancied uh, uh, doing a little bit of country it may well be that you need to set up some sort of side project because that's what my current musical project ended ended up well it started off as a side project yeah. and ended up as a full-time sort of thing so it could well be that maybe you need to try and test the waters for some other you know musical genres musical concepts musical ideas and see whether a you're good at it b you enjoy doing it and it may well be that actually that's what you should be doing with your musical career not currently what you're doing now correct me if i'm wrong but yeah. i think to begin with you were a little disappointed that more people liked the folk stuff 
than the electronic stuff because knowing you for as long as I have, you know, you start your synthesizers and your samplers and doing all that kind of music oh, technology those stuff. Those were the days. And you know, and there are video footage of him jumping around like a nutter on stage. And, but as time has progressed with the folk band, uh, you know, comedy folk, it's like now you enjoy that probably way more because you get the response you've always wanted. And I yeah. think you get the most response, you sort of, you get the most enjoyment from the, just the, the reception, you know, but, and... But, you know, it, it, it could still well be that, you know, we could be playing to hundreds of people every weekend, which, which we do, but it might still not be what I want to do or what the rest of us want to do. But it's, again, in terms of those three circles, all three boxes are ticked. And that means that in terms of us and continuing our music career, we've been doing it sort of 12 years. And in, in some respects, I feel as though I've only just sort of started. Yeah. However, you know, again, if, if for whatever reason, well, A, if you're not good at it, then you're not necessarily going to get the audience. Or B, you could be good at it, and you don't really like doing it, you resent doing it, or you, know, you, you want to move off into other areas. And it's never really going to be a long-lasting sort of music career. So I think, I think you've, you've, you, you, those three boxes have got to be ticked. And it may well be that just as a, as a side project, you maybe need to, if you have all these musical itches, which you feel as though you need to scratch, I'm not necessarily saying abandon your core musical principles, but maybe try something else in a different sort of musical style, because it could well be that's the thing that is going to resonate with the general public and if you keep on doing the same thing generating very poor results then you're never going to get anywhere so it's musically you know diversify even change the instrument that you play mm. who would have realized that ant was a better bassist than a drummer who knows <laughs> thanks Ant. thanks ants <laughs> so right moving on to which one are we on to now number four number four there's not enough activity. It's hard to get excited about something if there's very little going on. You know, we're constantly talking about people and bands and artists that we see from afar and their social media channels, they're not updated for, for weeks on end. And if you're expecting people to be following your musical career and to be avidly consuming the things that you publish on social media and the music that you're releasing, if all this is very sporadic, if you can't be bothered to, to make it almost become a full-time concern, and to, to be constantly looking to release content and, and entertain and engage with their audience. It's like, why, why should I be bothered? If, you know, if you're not bothered, why should I, as a listener, be bothered about when, you? When Facebook gives you the opportunity to create video content, like via Facebook Live, why would you then write a post saying that you've been really busy with your band and show no evidence of being really busy? We are, you know, we are, con we are storytellers of our own lives. If you're not constantly telling the story of yourself as a DIY artist or musician, then you're, you're missing out. I mean, social media is there to um, inform, educate and entertain. And if you're not doing that on a regular basis with your audience, then they're not really... They're, 
They're, right. not, they're not going to be bothered. May I add, I only know that from looking at a post. I only not, it's, you might say that they were successful because I saw that post. I was saying, no, I only follow them just to see how badly they get things. Imagine you were to <clears throat> turn on the television or the radio and you tune into a channel and they said, oh, I've not really got anything for you today because there's nothing, <laughs> nothing, nothing, go, there's nothing going on. I couldn't find <clears throat> any decent programmes. So, so <laughs> it might have something on in a couple of days. It would be like Netflix going, we've been really busy. Yeah, We've got yeah, loads, we've of, stuff got loads of stuff coming up. Any examples? No. No. Just have to take our word for it. So, you know, you again, you have to be active. You have to, you know, for not, in order for people to take an interest in you, you have to be doing interesting things. So you you know you've got to you've got to keep at it, and we've, I'm sure we've said this before on the show. You, you are a media company. You've got to be mm -hmm. creating media, creating content, showing people what you're up to, what you're about, engaging with your audience, and the more you do that, the better chance of overall success you will have. Definitely. So sorry, it's just I've turned my phone's on silent, but it was ringing, so I've just turned it off. With my watch, I know. Watch. How cool is that? Modern technology. Oh, <clears throat> and the last one's a big one. <laughs> I think we've discussed this in the past. We have, but it, it's still a point that bears, you know, making again and again, and the repetition <clears throat> is key. Yep. You have no marketing plan. You have no marketing plan. Be honest with your Uncle Sheldon. You know, we're friends now. Every single thing that you release, whether it's a, a piece of music, a music video, a gig, a tour, that should have, each one of those should have uh, an individual marketing plan detailing how you're actually going to get it in front of and under the noses of people for them to watch it or, or listen to it or to buy a ticket <clears throat> to come out and do it. I do think, actually, thinking about all the local-ish bands that, I've, that I follow on Facebook, I don't think any of them. They literally just come out with, oh, we've got a vinyl out or a, CD, a single out. There's absolutely and, yeah. no marketing plan at all. So, you know, um, as of yesterday, we sold out, I think it was the second largest show of the, of the year, which is 620 people. Hmm. And that show's in about, in about four weeks' time. And that show and all the other shows uh, um, on our current and future tours have an individual marketing plan from the moment, well, in fact, from before the show goes on sale, right up to the actual date of the show if, if there are still tickets to, to buy. And over a period of how many weeks that might be, there are individual activities that need to be conducted at certain times in order for that show to be brought to people's attention in order for them to buy a ticket. And if you don't have a marketing plan for each particular aspect of your music career in terms of releases or, or shows, then you can't expect these things to watch themselves or for people to magically appear at a, at a music venue uh, several miles away from uh, you know from where you are now to, to where you're going to be playing on, yeah. on Friday or Saturday night it's th things don't happen by themselves you have to write a plan for the things that you want to happen action that plan and if you do that chances are more things will happen than if they don't than if you don't so quick question for you carry on <laughs> You can't give you a normal response now. Go on. Uh, so in terms of with your marketing plans that you are, you know, you're proper on it. Yes. Has your, the shows that you've done over the years. Yes. Taking out the account of inflation. Yes. Have you been able to raise your ticket price? Oh, yeah, very much so. So would you be willing to say now where they started at and where they are now per, per show? Or is that 
No, the 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 very first the very first gig we did was three pounds. Three about, quid. Twelve years ago, that was that was far too cheap. We we, we sold out that night. And Is that we, the one day? Yeah, we should, right. we should charge the fiver. <laughs> um, standing prices are about fifteen. That's an absolute bargain. Um, some of our seated shows are about seventeen pounds plus booking fee. Again, an absolute bargain. But you know, that's you increased can, you, six times. One thing that you know, ticket price can be um, okay. Costs would have increased too. Costs, yeah, you should see the beer on our rider. Um, <laughs> ticket price <laughs> is dictated by several things. It's dictated too by demand. Uh, myself and my uh, colleagues are always talking about these bigger bands who like play stadiums and are able to charge. Two hundred pounds, but the thing is, if you sell out that stadium, it, then it doesn't matter what you charge. No. You charge what the market will bear to some degree. So, if but you know, awareness if will help in, uh, increase the value yeah. that your commodity is worth. But very briefly, if you're a DIY artist, the value of your ticket price will be dictated to primarily by the demand there are for those tickets. So, if there's if there's very little demand then you can't necessarily go around charging 20 pounds a ticket uh, it will also be uh, dictated to by the value that is perceived by your audience so if you build up a strong online relationship with that audience that means you can potentially charge more for your ticket price and there is of course a real world cost in terms of paying the acts on the bill booking the venue yeah. uh, and the bill uh, rolling in the cost of the marketing of that particular show so the company that I work for our ticket price has to reflect maybe guarantees that are um, requested by the artist in question the cost of hiring that particular venue rather than another venue and then you know and again the cost of marketing that show so that will have a yeah, some bearing on, on that but again you can't necessarily go around as a DIY artist saying right it's 25 quid a ticket well you could you, the, but, you no, could, but there has to be again there has to be one of those factors involved within that. So, in other words, if you're if those tickets are in high demand, then potentially that's one way. If you built again, if you built up a, a, an online relationship with with your audience, you can potentially charge more for what you do than uh, if that wasn't the case. So, you know, a marketing plan is useful in a million different ways. A million different ways. So, in summary, yes. So, again, it, it is all about self-awareness, trying to identify the areas in which you're currently not performing as well as you could be. Just say it as it is, where you're going wrong. Where you're going wrong, and then right going, if you know where you're going wrong, can you alter things as necessary, maybe in terms of marketing plan, maybe in terms of trying to change the genre that you're in, or what's probably more pertinent, improving the quality of your songs slash your recorded material. Because I think for most people, and again, the, the amount of stuff that I, I listen to that's, that's been released even by some of my favorite artists, and you think, oh really, you, is this the best that you've got? So again, don't. You know, this is not me having a go in any way, shape or form, but w your songs do have to be the, ba be the best that they can possibly be. Hmm. And that sometimes, I mean, and even when they're good right from the start, it was no guarantee that it took, I mean, Aha's take on me, I think took four or five releases before it became a hit. So even when it's a good song, it doesn't... It, and even Aha, I've only really had one take on me. Oh, it's not all I'd, I'd on say TV. take on me is there, uh, Sunshine on TV. 
Hunting High and Low. It's like they've only had one. They wrote the best theme tune, Bond theme tune, Living Daylights. Oh, oh, we're going to have to stop this podcast now. <laughs> you, you, you don't want to see blood. <laughs> anyway. You don't want to hear Greg's uh, bones crunching on the on the podcast. Well, he likes the Madonna one. So do any of these <laughs> resonate with you at home? Write in the comments beneath. I know, it's, 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 t- it's tough love. Sheldon's tough love. But I, I, you know, I do think that it's better rather than giving up. If you can identify some of these and address it, and swallow make your pride. You no, know, hopefully, that, isn't isn't that good that you know if you can identify your potential weaknesses to make yourself stronger and make yourself better. That, that, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah. Adopt it, that to improve. Start doing better. Anyway, so hashtag Music Marketing Mondays. We will see you on Monday. See you next week. Thanks. Ta-da.